Welcome to another episode of the Friday Night Mike's podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my trusty sidekick, Sarah. Hey, everyone. So uh, this is a pretty pretty big episode we're going to get into today. Uh, a lot of stuff going on here. Um, just a big stuff. Big stuff. Really big stuff for a lot of characters. And... It's weird in a way because it's like the second episode of the season. So the first episode, the premiere for season two, of course, it's kind of setting everything up, right? You know, we, we're seeing where the characters are after, you know, all this time. You know, which Eight for, months have passed. Right, yes. And so even though we're in the next episode, it's kind of crazy that already we're getting all this crazy just really monumental shifting uh moments in these characters lives so i know i was surprised the first time i saw this episode just because so much was going on and i almost couldn't wrap my head around it the first time i saw it now having seen it a couple of times since you know i first watched it i can honestly say that it still holds up power-wise in terms of just how strong the episode is so what did you think yeah, what did you think in the broad strokes of this with this episode a uh, colossal improvement over the first one it's like they know they already know that they made a mistake but now you know they're making it better they're like smoothing down what happened but they're also doing a lot of character development and it feels like a lot of what happened should have what happened should have happened in that eight months and it's just kind of tying some loose ends you know yeah i think what they did is they realized that this whole landry thing that happens right it it's it's this really big thing and it's something that i don't think anybody has ever particularly liked but I do think, and I will say this, upon seeing it yet again and trying to look at it as, as fresh as I could, I feel like the writers did as good a job as they could have considering, I think, what most people would agree is a misstep in terms of plot, you know. Um, no, <laughs> really? You don't think murder was the right choice? <laughs> I mean, I guess it could argue if you want, but I think most people would agree it is bad. It is just not, it's not Friday Night, Friday Night Lights. But not I do really. think, <coughs> excuse me, um, I do think that what we get here is some really good character stuff from from Tyra 
from Landry especially. Um, even though this isn't a plot development that anyone probably enjoys, or, you know, just because, you know, what happened is, I mean, it's very, it's murder, you know. Uh, don't get me wrong, he was protecting Tyra, but, you know, well, let's be fair here, in that moment, you know, the guy was walking away. He was, you know, it wasn't like he was um, getting ready to stab Tyra. You know, this is more like a, you know, don't touch her ever again kind of thing. And what I really enjoyed about this episode is we're starting to see Landry question like any good person would what it means to, to take a life and and what effect does that have on the soul, you know, and it's not something he can just brush under the rug and say, Oh, it you know, I can I can just not think about it and it'll be okay. Um, he just he killed a man, and yeah. I I love. All right, so let's just jump into the whole Landry Tyra <laughs> thing because that's the crux of the episode. That's that's the part of the episode that has the most weight and power to it. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, although to be fair, Tammy Tammy's stuff is very emotional, and and you know, oh, Julie. Poor Glenn. Oh right, my God. Right, that guy is. Just, what a good sport. Right. God, the guy gets a should get a medal. Um, <laughs> Yeah. It, She's just like a volcano spewing molten crazy all over. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's I mean Poor she's guy. having a tough time, but uh Well, yeah. Right. With everything that's going on, but with with Landry and Tyra so much is put on on Landry here because for Tyra as Landry so succinctly puts it later in the episode you you're not the one that swung and killed the guy. You're not you know, you're not the one that has the actual blood on your hands. I do. You know, and I'm really, really glad that, that he stood up for himself, you know, when he was speaking to the to the rally girl and yeah. he was like asking her, you know, about, you know, what kind of what kind of stain or whatever it is whatever, <laughs> could you take a life or whatever and it's just like <laughs> Dude. Like this guy's this is a rally girl, okay? This is not, you know. I mean, to be fair, I'm glad Tyra pulled him away, but you know, as they get around the corner, she's basically saying, you know, be a man, you know, be a man. And I, I like that he stands up for himself. He says, you know, and I and I like because what it says is that Landry is being a man. Because being a man doesn't mean you know, the old fashioned be strong. Be strong. Repress man. it. Don't you know, show your emotions is, kind of thing. Yeah, this is not that at all. This is someone who's doing what anyone would do. You know, he, he killed somebody and this is something he can't stop thinking about and he has to deal with it the only way he can. And he said, you know, I would I would do it again. I, I would kill him again. And I so I mean, I never expected it in a million years when I first saw it, but you know, I love his speech there when he says, you know, look, I'm in love with you. And, you know, don't look at me like that. You know. You've yes, always I known. love that. You've, you've always Because she immediately yeah. goes back to like that. She throws up a wall like she would have with brigands to making herself like the victim. And, you know, immediately, you know, trying to hide and shelter herself and make him out to be like he's the one doing something wrong. But he's not going to let her you know, throw those walls up or anything. He's having like a conversation and 
pronouncing his love, he's not going to deal with any, you know, he's not gonna deal with any old Tyrish stuff. He's not going to deal exactly. with any of that. He is going to say, well, he's telling her, like, I love you. You know I do. Let's not play games. Let's not pretend. I mean, this this isn't what's going on anymore. And I would do all that over again if it meant saving you, saving your life, making sure that you're safe. And so I, I like that. I mean, that that's such a great, that's such a strong moment. And we've always seen Landry as a person who sticks to his convictions, which is one of the great core aspects to his character. Um, he's very honest and truthful. You know, he, you don't often see Landry, you know, lie. He, he tends to just, for the most part, say what he means. If he doesn't say it, it just simply means he hasn't said it yet, <laughs> you know? So it's yeah. not somebody that um, will kind of, I guess, pull you around um, and make you think one thing and, and really mean another. He tends to just be honest. He's, it's a great part of his character. And in this instance, you're seeing that honesty leveled at Tyra. And it's like, look, I just killed a guy. Let's be honest with each other. <laughs> you know, I'm bullshit. You know, all that me, me being afraid of telling you how I feel before this pales in comparison to what I just did. So, you know, if we're going to if we're going to be bathed in the light of this awful thing that happened, at least let's be honest about it. And I'm going to be honest about how I feel because you need to know that you need to know what I'm willing to do for you. And I just love this with Landry. Yeah, it's one of the best things about Landry is that he sees through people's bullshit and he won't back down. He'll make you, you know, understand that he can see right through it and call you out on it. It's one of the great things about Landry is that even though he is absolutely in love with Tyra, he's not afraid to back down like any other man would just to be around her and kind of grovel at her feet. You know, he wants to be on the level. He demands with her. more. Exactly. He's demanding that she, you know she see him plainly for who he is, that he sees her for who she is, and that's the first time I think any any guy has ever done that with her. Has yeah, it's always been a game that she's played. Yeah. So and he's not he's not up for games. He doesn't want games. He wants especially not now. Yeah, especially not now. Um. So the beginning of the episode, Landry thinks he, you know, lost his watch that uh, came off yeah. during the struggle or came off in the car. And so they go back to the bridge. The scene of the crime. The of the crime. And that's the first time that, you know, they, they have a, a little bit of a conversation, you know, talking about, you know, Landry's wondering if somebody is missing him, if somebody thinks, where is he? You know, um, these are the thoughts that go through his mind. And that's it. It gives us an inkling of what's going on in his head, which is he's just trying to stay afloat right now. He's trying to come to grips, come to terms with what he did, you know, regardless of the, the reason that he did it, you know. Um, so that's the first inkling. And so yeah. <laughs> so we, we get that whole scene where – Landry goes kind of goes off on Tyra a little bit. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they didn't. You know, here's the thing. Here's what's really great. You know, they didn't really have that many scenes. They had three scenes in this episode. They had the opening scene 
they had that scene we just talked about and they had the end scene and it's kind of crazy because sometimes in only a couple of scenes or maybe three scenes in an entire show somebody will take over that show some character or group of characters a duo maybe will like this is what you think about when you end the episode because they in only a few scenes they make something happen they make magic happen on screen yeah it's really smart of the writers too because they know that last episode and this is the biggest thing that's ever happened on the show and they know that if they make it an entirely landry and tyra episode it's going to end too quickly there's going to be no you know desire for people to want to invest in the story anymore Mm -hmm. so they're just you know have a few scenes they're you know there's not many scenes, but they're important and they're strong. Yeah. And that's what makes it so great. Precisely. So the end scene, it's the last scene in the entire show. And uh, <coughs> the last scene is uh, Landry's laying in his bed, um, listening to music. Tyra, like a ninja, sudden, somehow slips <laughs> through, the, through the house, uh, manages to get into his room. And, you know, she sits on the bed, wake, you know, rouses him from his whatever he was doing, just relaxing, I guess. Crucifictorious meditation. Right. And um, she goes on to maybe be the most vulnerable we've ever seen Tyra in her entire life up to this point, where she says to Landry that he's the best man she's ever known. And that if anything, you know, she wishes she had been the one to kill him because it, I think it, it's finally dawned on her how much pain he's in and she would do anything to take that pain away from him. If she could somehow be the one to have killed him, she's glad that he's dead because he never would have stopped and everything, but she wishes she was the one that swung, you know, the pipe and killed him. Um, and if anything happens to Landry, anything at all, anything bad happens, it's going to it's going to kill her inside. And I I love this because again we just saw Landry be very truthful, be very open, be very honest about his feelings, his thoughts, all his the pain, all of it. And finally, after all this time, through all the bullshit, through Riggins, through all the the idiot guys that she's you know, met and some she's dated and some she's had, you know, one night stands with things like that through all that. Landry, right. You know, is the guy who has drawn out the Tyra that we know exists, you know, underneath all of that, that bluster and that armor is somebody who is young, hopeful, and deserves love and in this case we see her opening up for the first time being vulnerable yeah yeah she finally lets her walls down and just lets you know lets herself be her and emotional and vulnerable to landry because yeah she trusts him and she understands now that you know he's a great man that she wants to have in her life and i love this scene so much and it ends with them, you know, kissing, and it, it looks like, um, you know, Landry's 
not going to get as much sleep tonight, <laughs> I think, as he was originally. I didn't know if I liked this very much, though. <laughs> I liked the talking. I liked the you know, vulnerability of both of them. <sighs> I don't want this to turn into a romance out of needing kind of a crutch. Okay, you know? so here's my thoughts on this, and I, I th- hopefully I'll shed a little bit of light onto this. This, I think you have to look at it from a different lens. Whereas to me, this is something that is actually really smart by the writers because up until this point, we've never known quite what Tyra's feelings are regarding Landry. You know, like you can see there's good chemistry between the two of them, right? They get along really well. They, they talk very, you know, it's like two people who just enjoy each other's company very much. But to me, at least at the moment, I don't think this is anything about, it's not about Tyra being interested. I think this is her way of thanking him. And I don't want that to sound dirty or, or bad. Um, and it's, it's like he's in pain and she's confusing I feel like in this instance, Tyra is confusing love for this incredibly powerful moment that they're in where, I mean, let's face it, like they're, 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 there's so much going on right now, just so much, everything, the pain, the, the, all of it. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, when you have a bad fight, right, with a significant other, right, and then like the makeup sex, right? I mean, what they say, right? It's like the best that you can have because it's just, you're so charged with emotion. Um, and I feel like in this instance, it's kind of like that, <coughs> excuse me, where I feel like in this instance, Tyra is so, they're so charged with, with just everything that's going on. And she's confusing attraction and love with what's going on in the moment. Um, I don't think this is just like, well, let's just throw them together. I think psychologically there's more to this. Do you, I mean, do you understand what I'm trying to get the words out? I'm trying yeah. to come. This is psychologically, this is in her wheelhouse. Like she has had so many bad men in her life. And who does she take after? Her mother. Right. Yeah, this is a break against the cycle this is her breaking against the cycle but she doesn't understand like i don't know if she really is attracted to landry at the moment you know physically um or in that way you you need to be or you want to be and i think right now it's not so much about attraction is it's this guy just saved my life and he killed a guy for me i mean she's not thinking those things consciously but it's like he saved my life he killed a guy for me. He's in such pain that he loves me. He loves me, uh, you know, and I think it's all of those things kind of all coming together in one giant mass of like endorphins. And it's just like, and if I can take away the pain, I'm going to kind of thing. Right. It's just, it's kind of like a few different factors, <coughs> but it's not, it's not just about, her coming in and just deciding that she's going to sleep with Landry for a, a stupid reason. I see it psychologically as very complex and impressive that the writers 
went down this route because I think they saw deep down why everything's happening the way it is with her and what happens here. So I actually like the the way it kind of comes about. I have a feeling this is uh, the first time for Landry. <laughs> I think this is the first time he's ever kissed a girl. Yeah, it's a good night for him, kind of. <laughs> I mean, think about this. I mean, this isn't the way he wanted it to happen. Well, I mean, this is the way he probably wanted it to happen, but not in the circumstances. Um, but, I mean, I can imagine that for Landry, this has been, like, his biggest dream is, like, you know, Tyra to come over to his house and... Be in his bed. Be in his bed. And, I mean, not maybe not in these circumstances precisely, but at some point, you know, in his fantasies, he's... You know, maybe she comes over to hang out for a movie and then they go back to his room to kind of listen to some music. And then, you know, and, and you know, he's it's happening. It's just not happening exactly the way he wanted it to. But in this moment, he's certainly not thinking about that. And I don't think she is either. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see where that goes next episode. Also, the fact that they introduced Landry's father this episode means there's going to be something happening, including the police, next episode. Right. Well, he's on the police force, so it could get hairy. Oh, yeah. They're going to find that body that they dumped in a shallow grave. <laughs> um, okay, so let's move on to... Let's move on to Tammy and Eric. Mm-hmm. So... Poor Tammy. Poor Tammy. <laughs> So she's really under the gun. Julie's no help. Um, she's useless. Julie's useless. Right now she's useless. We'll get to her in a minute. Uh, Tammy, she's raising this kid by herself. Eric, of course, is is working, um, still at the college, doing his thing. And he's obviously not having a good time of it. They draw this nice little parallel between her lack of sleep you know, in terms of the baby waking her up and, and him, you know, where, you know, he can't sleep. Plus, while well, she's calling and waking him up in the middle of the night, too. But the bed itself is not very comfortable. So you get the sense that neither one of these um, people are getting much sleep in the first place. Uh, but she's really under the strain and the stress of being a single mother, well, at least being a mother <laughs> without a uh, partner at the moment. Um trying to raise this kid herself in the in Clarabelle obviously it cries a lot a lot so she's what's her name I think it's Claire Clarabelle isn't it Gracie maybe it is oh no you're right you're right I'm thinking yes it is Gracie Bell Gracie Bell Gracie but I think she calls her great Gracie Bell, I'm so like how many kids are they gonna have no, 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 you're <laughs> correct I don't know where I got that from um but they're both under immense strain uh, but they're in their own ways. You know, she's dealing with uh, the baby. And Eric is dealing with a stupid, you know, teenage kid on the on the team who is broken rules uh, because he took money from a booster. He took tickets, Justin Timberlake tickets from a booster. <laughs> and in college, if you play college football or any college sports, you can't do that. You're not, you're not allowed to do that. Um, yeah. So quick pause yeah. for a second, just a second. I gotta relocate because there's spider closing in on. Okay, <laughs> it's fine. Hold on a sec. Okay. 
Fucking spiders, man. <laughs> Evil little bastards. <laughs> So, I gave it the room. <laughs> okay, so what were we talking about here? Um, um, Taylor with uh, his lack of sleep, and now there's oh. a kid, Antoine, that's okay. being a douche. Right. All right, so, um, yeah, so he's got this kid who's being an idiot. He took um, tickets, and so now he's probably going to be suspended um, he gets uh, Taylor gets called in the office. Basically, he's being put on uh, babysitting duty uh, to <laughs> babysit this kid, make sure he gets to his meeting. How ironic! How ironic! And uh, so he's got to do this. He's not very happy about it. You can tell. Uh, they ask him like he asks about practice, and like, oh, we'll take care of it. You know, like you already feel like he's right. He he feels like a fifth wheel, and he doesn't feel like a valued member of the coaching staff. You know? Yeah. Like they don't need him to be a coach there. He can have, do something else, be an errand boy. Right. So it takes this kid, uh, they go, and the kid's just being an idiot. He's being a real, a little, little he's being a little asshole is what he's being. Yes. Um, you know, he's not taking it seriously. And Eric kind of holds off, holds off, holds off. Eventually at some point he just unloads on the kid. He says, you know, what are you doing? You know, you don't care about the team. All you care about is yourself. This is ridiculous. You're letting your team down, all this stuff. You know, he really lets them have it. And eventually, you know, and the kid just keeps needling them. Like, oh, why are you, why are you here and not with your family? You know, why are you here and not with your little baby and da-da-da and this stuff? And it's just, it's all these things that Eric's already thinking about, you know, in terms of, like, the fact he's not home. But then this, this yeah. stupid, like, 18-year-old kid is going to turn around and kind of shove it in his face. And he's like, I'm not going to have this. This isn't going to happen. So he unloads on the kid and drags him to this stupid, you know, meeting he's got to go to to see how long he's going to be suspended. Eric stands up and does his best to help the team. And this kid, by kind of just saying, hey, we need to do better by him. You know, he needs to do better. We need to do better. And it works, and they only suspend him for three games. So this is like the first time where the I feel like the coach and the staff there is like actually impressed by you know what he says. And there was an odd comment by I believe it's the head coach uh, of the team where he says, "Boy, you must have been one hell of a high school coach." And I was thinking that was kind of an odd line, you know, like wouldn't you know exactly how good of a high school coach? I mean, if you're like, it's not about just the wins and the losses, like it. It almost feels to me like they didn't even look to see like how he was regarded as a coach inside the locker room and just about the wins and losses and the like all the surface stuff, you know, like, yeah, you actually you're surprised by like this event that's just happened that, you know, he got through to this kid and he was only suspended for three games. It's like, wow, gee, yeah. you, re- you really value this guy, don't you? Yeah, like, shouldn't you know a bit more than that? Like, not only has he been in the news, but, you know, to take that team also from what they were and losing Jason to getting them to state and winning, like, yeah, you bet I'm a good coach. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's not just about the X's and O's. It's not just about the wins and losses. It's what it's the motivation. It's what he passes on to these kids in the locker room. It's how he mentors them and is, you know, often a father figure. He's the one that, that doesn't take their crap, and he ends up making them better people. So, yep. you know, the fact that they didn't even see any of this is just a little disconcerting, but whatever. 
Um, so on to Tammy. Tammy's a wreck. We did mention that already. <laughs> uh, Glenn, who is a science teacher, but is filling in for her because, you know, she's out on maternity leave. You know, comes over to the house to try to get some tips and pointers. And Tammy's doing her best to kind of pass on the information and kind of help him out because he's kind of freaking out is because he's not, you know, qualified for this. He's not, this isn't something he does. And you can see like, he's just out of his element. He's not somebody who, you know, is very social in his regular life, let alone trying to connect with teenagers. Like yeah. he has no capability. And I love the line where she's like, look, you just have to listen to them. You just have to connect with them. And that's when Julie comes out and she's like, oh, hey, hon, uh, you know, if you want, you and Matt could uh, rent a movie and order some food in and watch it over here. And she's just like, Matt, Matt. Why is it always about Matt? Matt, Matt, Matt. You know, Matt has his own life, too. And it's like, well, there's the connecting you were talking about. (laughs) So and she every episode, she's looking more and more whorish, like it's a lower top or she's got those platinum highlights and she's looking more plastic every time I see her. And I Oh, yeah. It's not the Julie I like. Right. So, uh, Tammy, as we said, we see her get worse and worse throughout this episode, but it, it kind of just like straight all the way through in a way. Um, <laughs> so it goes from that to her walking over to Glenn's office in 105 degree heat with Gracie. From her house. From her house like, because oh my God. Because needs to be constantly in motion to go to sleep. Um, and he obviously is, you know, he's just like a poly. He's like, it's 105 degrees. <laughs> You're sweating very badly. I, you can only imagine what it's like for a baby. And unfortunately, this is like right at the moment where she doesn't need this. And she just, you know, she gets defensive. She's like, how dare you? How dare you judge me based, you know, tell me how to raise my kid. Tell me how to do anything. Do you have kids? No. Basically, then shut your mouth. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> it just it leads to a collapse, though. Yes. And I can't even imagine how tired she is because she hasn't been able to sleep because those doctors says she has to feed that kid every single hour. Yeah. So she's not sleeping and they're, they tell her, well, your husband, you know, takes some shifts, switch off with you. It's like, yeah, that ain't an option. Yeah. I'm just going to die and be a zombie. Right. So, so she really breaks down there and starts to cry and she leaves appears like she's doing a little better because she runs into Jason and we'll get to Jason here too. Um, and Jason tells her this story sweet. about how he dreamt in her, in his dream, she told him to walk and he did. And, um, you could tell that it really made, probably made her day to have somebody be yeah. positive, to say something nice to her, even if it was just something that happened in a dream. Yeah. It probably brought her back from that brink, that edge. Right. So, Next, we see Tammy. Um, she's at the doctor's office, and that's when, you know, as you said, the doctor's like, you got to feed her once an hour, da-da-da. And she's, he's like, you know, you shouldn't drive. I think you need to someone else to drive you. And so she calls Glenn because he's the only person that he, she knows right now. <laughs> Which is crazy. Like, I, do, I do think you I know, do kind of call a little BS on this because yeah, I do, th- I do say there are so many people, I mean, um, smash his mom could have or like the mayor like you're kind of you're on the a party with her now in that political party right. you know, call her call her friends or all those weird socialites from that 
quote-unquote book club. Like, you know, lots of people. <laughs> but then again, you can look at it this way. Since her husband is no longer the coach, do they really do they really talk to her? Does she know how? Uh, probably you know? not. So that, that might be the case. Uh, but anyway, Glenn comes to pick her up, and he's so sweet and, and kind and, and just has nice words for her and does his best to be supportive. And being, <laughs> But she's talking to Eric, you know, on the phone. And he's, you know, he wants to come home. She tells him, you know, no, just stay there. And you can see she's doing everything she can to hold it in. She doesn't want to worry him. She wants him to just do his job. She doesn't want to drag him away. But the moment that the, the phone, you know, hangs up, she's just bursting into tears. It's just too much. And Glenn comes. She kind of pulls herself together a little bit. And they get out of there. And he's, uh, you know, taking her you know, back to her house. So. You know, we see Tammy just really feeling the effects of all this. It's just, it's great acting by Connie Britton, though. Oh, my God. Yeah, she, like, she's amazing at melting down. I mean, she's just so well. Like, I never for a second think she's acting, ever. No, it doesn't feel like that at all. Um, let's move on to uh, Jason. Jason didn't have too much in this episode, so his stuff is pretty quick. He goes to the doctor where he finds out that his right hand, he can actually like grip things now, which he couldn't do before. And he's convinced, of course, that that means he might walk again. Uh, the doctor is very, very straightforward with him and says, look, Jason, you're not going to walk again. I mean, unless some great medical advancement comes along, which it probably won't for a number of years, you're not going to walk again. Yeah, and he has to tell him that because it is a liability risk that he gives him any hope that Jason can turn around and sue him if he wanted to. Right. So they have to be as blunt as possible with the outcome. Correct. So Jason goes out into the waiting room, meets up with one of the other um, quad rugby players uh, who tells him, you know, hey, I know a guy in Mexico that's doing some really good stuff. It's, it's a little, yeah, stem cells. Yep, it's, gonna, it's a little pricey, but, you know, uh, he's getting good results. So Jason leaves, uh, got a lot on his mind. That's when he meets up with Tammy. And I think that's it. I don't think there's really anything else with Jason. I think it, with the outside of like, we saw him in practice when Reagan's got, uh, you know, sent for the 50, probably 50 wind sprints or something. Um, and Landry's getting pummeled Landry's, up there. Getting pummeled. Um, yeah, that's another thing. Landry on the football team, he's getting just leveled by Reagan's play after play. Um, <laughs> So let's move into, I think that's it for Jason. I don't think there's anything else. So let's no. move on to, let's move on to um, Buddy. So Buddy Garrity, um, he's dealing with McGregor and all those issues that seem to come along with that. He's getting uh, shoved out of practice. He can't uh, be there like he usually is. And now this big barbecue thing he does every single year. Again, that's being taken away from him. For one, it's obviously a big thing for his business because everyone's coming there and therefore it's good publicity. But on the other end, he's also somebody who loves the program. So it's natural that he would want to be, you know, the person who kind of runs this whole big barbecue thing. But McGregor's like, no, nah, we'll go with this other guy. <laughs> he's got this big ranch, da da da, all this stuff. And it's, you know, you can just tell it's just McGregor doesn't like Buddy and he's just going to find a way to kind of just you know, piss him off more. Yeah. So, like really all it comes down to it's sad in a way. Cause now buddy hasn't just lost his family. He's also lost football, which one could argue means more to him than his family. 
yeah, yeah, he has lost him. And we see what happens when that, you know, when that does occur. And he goes to this barbecue, he gets drunk. Um, <laughs> really drunk. Yeah, like, early in the episode, he goes and picks up his kids, right? And so, you know, at least he's doing that, and that, that's good. And, you know, we never question his love for his kids. Um, being a good husband, that's a different story. But <laughs> we've never questioned that he loves his children. However, he goes to this party, uh, this barbecue, and ends up getting drunk. Almost starts to fight with the guy who's hosting it instead of him. Which leads Tim Riggins to kind of come in and break everything up. Lila rushes over as well. But she doesn't you know, want anything to do with Riggins or she doesn't want his help. And then eventually asks for his help because she can't get her own father up off the ground because he's too drunk. So we see them take... Uh, him home back to his apartment put him in the bed and tim uh and lila have this little moment where they're kind of talking he asks her if she's all right if she's happy and he, she says yeah he says Are you okay he says i'm i'm just fine and she he kisses her on the cheek and he she doesn't pull away but you know she also doesn't try to seek more and he leaves yeah it was kind of nice and just very I don't know, cordial, but not in like, you know, trying to be above each other kind of way. They're very level and just understanding. Because Tim even says, like, when she's worried that now her father's a drunk, he says, he's not going to be a drunk. This is a one-time kind of thing for him. Like He's not the type. Yes. So, that leads us into... (laughs) Matt, I believe, correct? Matt and Julie. All of a sudden, (sighs) goes on the phone. (laughs) Oh, Matt and Julie. <laughs> yeah. So here's the way this seems. Okay, let's let's start out first with um, the beginning of the episode where uh, Grandma Saracen gets a tiara. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen, but a twenty four hundred dollar tiara. Yeah, Holy like, shit! Gotta, right, we got to return this. <laughs> Um, but it was adorable. She's like, I love her line. She's like, you can't put a price on happiness. I know. <laughs> like, I, I can't argue with that, but I really need to argue that. Like, She's so, that so was cute. really adorable. But that's the moment where Matt's like, he suddenly is realizing, I, I can't do this by myself anymore. Yeah, now it's too really much. Can't. She's slipped too far. Yeah, when she's she's ordering $2,400 tiaras, um that's when things are too much yep he can't be there at all times of the day anymore and so you know he's got to do what he's got to do <laughs> so he calls to try to get for help he's apparently been calling for a while week after week and um you know that that he, oh and meanwhile while this is all going on julie uh, isn't calling him back um you know, she's not asking, you know, seeking a ride to school, all this stuff. I mean, blowing him off. She's starting to ghost him. That's what she's doing. Basically, she's ghosting him. Um, and so we, we get a situation here where he knows what's coming, I think. And I think Julie does, too. I think deep down, they both kind of know what's what's coming at the end here of this episode. But um, it's tough to see. But anyway, before we get to that, um, let's let's talk a little bit about um, Carlota, who is the uh, the nurse, uh, who just shows Matt, up without Matt, yeah, <laughs> without Matt any notice. 
and obviously Grandma Saracen's all upset, and she's like, oh, you get out of here, and don't take this, and she's just like walking around, throwing stuff in the trash, she's like, this needs to go, this needs to go, she can't sit in front of the TV all day, she can't read these, she's got to, you know, she's got to do more than she's currently doing, and um, she's very brusque in this manner, she's just like, look, this needs to happen, period. Yeah, and I'm like, it kind of breaks my heart seeing Grandma Saracen sad. Like, don't take away her TV. Like, it's just kind of bitchy. But I understand that it's for her mental health, but it's just so mean. Right. So, but, (coughs) excuse me. So Matt is just, he's doing his best to kind of keep up. And uh, I like this thing where she goes into his bedroom (laughs) and... She sees his drawing of Julie, which is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then and then she kind of reaches under his uh, mattress. And uh, Matt's, uh, Matt's got a little help there <laughs> under the mattress. <laughs> and I like that she's like, have you ever heard of the internet? <laughs> Who right. still buys these? <laughs> right. It's it's hilarious. But uh, it's, it's kind of funny. And, like, you know, she wasn't all, you know, she wasn't being all judgmental or anything. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe you have these. You evil evil boy and all this was you're going to hell <laughs> right so um so we have that happening uh, on the flip side we have julie who is um you know making goo goo eyes at the swede and picking up her paycheck and you know talking to him and all this stuff and is the is the episode progresses you're right her clothes get lower cut and lower cut <laughs> and Every time she's around him, it's like, I don't know, is that even going to stay on, on you, you know? that's Yeah, and there's more makeup him. being plastered onto her face. She just doesn't look like Julie anymore. Right. So, and then there's a point in time where, towards the end of the episode, where he, he drops her off at this party where Matt is. Matt's been trying to get a hold of her all day. She hasn't, you know, returned any, any of his calls. Um... And, you know, she goes in for the kiss and kisses uh, the Swede. Such a... Mm, I'm so mad at her. <laughs> Such a horrible thing to do. Like, you can't even break up with the most loving and devoted boyfriend in the world before you betray him. Like, you just have to be that girl. <laughs> she acts like a 12-year-old girl trying to be a 16-year-old teenager. It's so immature. I just can't handle it. <laughs> well, you know, this, like it falls in line with what she said last episode, where she, you know, and she kind of outlines it for for Matt, where she says, "I'm becoming my mother, and I just, it's all too much, and I just need some some breathing room. I just need some space." You know, but at least she she does eventually, after Matt prods her, admits that you know it's the sweet bit. You know, she's like, look, it's like, it's me, it's not, it's me, it's not you, which is the cliche thing. I hated but, that. I was like, ugh. Yeah, I think I was almost waiting to see Matt wince. Like, oh, really? You gotta pull that one out there? But at least she does, after some prodding, admit that it's the Swede, but it's not just the Swede. It's, you know, a, a combination of, of a lot of things. And, and I can see this, this feels like something that would happen where... You know, as we were talking last week, how this is such a great relationship, and I think it scares her, you know, in a way that it's the relationship is so good that it's like the person that, like, you know, 
starts dating somebody in high school, like when they're 15 years old, and then they get married shortly after out of high school, and they're married for X amount of years, and then that person wakes up one day and says, I never dated anybody else, you know? And I feel like that's kind of like with where Julie's at, where, I mean, they aren't married, and they haven't been dating that long, but at the same time, they've been together for like, you know, like a year. So... I feel like her reaction is kind of like that where she's feeling trapped and she almost has it too good. It's almost like she has to go out and experience maybe a couple other guys before she can fully appreciate what she has. But you hate to see that. You know, you hate to you hate to see that. It's like, oh, come on, just appreciate what you have. Exactly, because sometimes you won't get it back. Yeah. Right. That's the problem, though. You're right. That's the risk. You know, Matt might not be there, you know. So... That's the downside, but but anyway, they break up, and Matt just gets up and storms away because obviously he's pissed. And you know, what I'm glad, I'm glad he, when she said, "You did nothing wrong," he says, "I know, I know, I didn't do anything." Yeah. Wrong. And I'm so glad he got to say that. You know, he didn't just stay quiet. He was like, "Yeah, look, I didn't do anything wrong. I realized that." Like, this isn't me. I know it's you. In this instance, I know it's you, not me, because I didn't do anything to deserve this. I didn't do anything to instigate this. I wasn't a bad boyfriend, you know? I'm not the one eye-fucking the Swede. <laughs> right. Pretty much. So that pretty much ends that. Um, we'll see what happens in the future here. I kind of wish it had been reversed, where Matt was the one who just, he knew the end was coming, and just kind of beat her to the punch, and just called her out, you know, laid out what was happening and then was the one to end the relationship. I would have liked to see that for Matt because we haven't seen very much of Matt other than just kind of getting kicked to the curb and pushed around by Julie for the last two episodes. We haven't seen much of him. Well, let's see what happens with him here. I understand what you're saying and I do agree. I would have liked Matt to have been the one to pull her aside and when she comes into the party and just say, we need to have a talk. I know what's going on here. I know what you're doing. I know why you don't want to hang out with me. Why don't we just end this now? Because obviously this just isn't working. Um, you're right. It would have been nice to see Matt do that. Um, but I do I do like a lot, a lot of the stuff that goes on in this episode. I don't really have a fault in almost any storyline. Even the Landry Tyra thing, you know, outside of what happened last week. And the but I think the events that come out of that are pretty compelling. Yeah, they and make like, it work. They make it work. They they make the best out of a bad situation, and I think we'll continue to see that happen. I'm not gonna tell you what's gonna happen. I'm just gonna say <laughs> I think we'll continue to see good things come out of a bad storyline. I have to say that yet again, I was compelled to watch the next episode and just keep going. It was so hard to just be like. God, I can't handle it. Like, I want to know what happens with Landry and Tyra. Well, you can watch it tonight. Yeah, I plan to. <laughs> okay, so, anyway. Um, I really like this episode. We'll get into our rating here. I like this episode. Um, I think that the acting is really top-notch, as usual. But the bad storyline from last week, I said, it, it doesn't create a great continued storyline but the emotional complexity that comes out of that is 
about as good as you can hope for, all things considered. Yeah. Um, I liked I liked the Julie Matt stuff only in that I guess I didn't expect it. I remember when I first watched this, I was like, "Wow, really?" I mean, it surprised me with like the whole Tyra uh, Lantry thing at the end, but the whole Matt Julie thing. I mean, I, I could see it coming, but I didn't think it was going to happen this soon, and they they pulled the trigger. I am kind of glad that they did pull that trigger, that they didn't drag it out and make us just watch, you know, them the fight and, this, yeah. yeah. The slow death of this relationship would go for, like, over six or seven episodes. It would have, yeah, it would have been terrible. Yeah, they just ripped it off like a band-aid. I like that. Right. Uh, the Tammy stuff is great. Tammy and Eric stuff is both great. Tammy in particular because she's got just so much emotional, you know, weight to her storyline. Um you know, Eric, not as much. I mean, we see he really misses his family and it's starting to really wear on him, too. Uh, two people that are suddenly realizing that the decision that was made months ago is a really bad idea. In fact, Tammy goes so far as to admit that as much to Glenn when they're leaving the hospital. And he says, you know, what was this this decision like, you know, for you guys to be separated? And she's like, I don't know why. It was my idea. I'm stupid. <laughs> I don't think that Tammy also expected Julie to change as much as she did. She probably thought Julie would at least help a little bit, but useless. She helps nowhere. Like, doesn't even clean up. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's true. She hasn't really helped at all. She pretty much hasn't lifted a finger. She's not there pretty much at all. She's not helping clean. And, you know, it's definitely not good when your mom is um she doesn't even realize the strain her mom is under because she's there so little yeah so it's it's something we're gonna wait and see how that plays out because that's uh that's important too very like i hope either tammy i hope like we get to see something where tammy is just kind of brings julie down a notch and brings her to a level and so julie can see what's going on or maybe something will happen where you know Julie just kind of gets hit in the face that all this is going on under, you know, her ignorance and, you know, her head's up in the clouds with the Swede and just needs to come back down to earth. <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll come back down or maybe her and the Swede are going to hook up and, Ugh. you know. He's not pretty. Crazy, <laughs> do some crazy bunny sex or something. I don't know. Um, I cringe just thinking about it because to me, yeah, you know, Shane Matter's still Bambi and Thumper. Like, I can't move on. Right. <laughs> um. So anyway, yeah, let's see how this plays out. But to be honest, I, I really like the storylines overall. Um, so my grade for for this episode is a B plus. Um, what knocks it down is the aftermath slash continued stench of the uh, Landry, Tyra you know, issues with killing and being a completely non you know, Friday Night Lights storyline but um, like I said I, I appreciate what they're doing with it as best they can and um, most other shows would have completely collapsed under the weight of that terrible you know, storyline yeah. so in this case I really like what they're doing so I'm giving it a B plus. Um, good job. Uh, really good episode. Very potent. A lot of uh, a lot of strong emotional core here. So I like it, and uh, I'm excited for the next episode. I completely agree with the you know that 
they were able to other shows would have like crushed under the weight of what you know happened you know this show it did it panicked it made a split decision that didn't pan out but they're able to you know not continue to panic they're picking up the pieces smoothing things out and you know continuing on with a very friday night lights-esque storyline that actually is slowly becoming to work and be blended in so I really love all the stuff with Tyra and Landry this episode. Just, it doesn't feel anything like the last episode. It feels way more on the Friday Night Light side. So I'm going to give it a A-, minus, just because I think it's gone leaps and bounds from the last episode. And I really just, I love all the storylines. Tammy and poor Glenn. Uh, and Jason, like, that he had that one scene with Tammy and... It, it wasn't very much, but it was really sweet, and it was kind of him to actually stop and go and talk to her, and you, know, you get to see that it actually you know does good for Tammy, and so I really love that. And anything where Grandma Saracen's wearing a tiara gets a good mark. It's gonna be up in the A's. <laughs> gotcha. Right, my priorities: <laughs> Grandma Saracen right. tiara, mm, you get an A. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> A minus for this episode from me. All right. Oh, sounds good. Well, I think that is pretty much it for this episode, everybody. Um, yeah, so we're excited for the next one. Um, if you want to send in feedback, you can do so at, at freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. Um, fr- I'm sorry, freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. And uh, you can also get a hold of us on Twitter. Uh, you can get a hold of me at at Michael underscore Lana. You can get a hold of uh, Sarah at at uh, Labyrinth Rose. Yes. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything, right? And uh, at Freak Geeks Media on Twitter. Yes. So you can get a hold of us there. Uh, you know, send feedback in. If you want to send in a voicemail, you can send in a voicemail. If you want to send in an email of some kind, you can do that. Uh, Yep, we'll take any feedback that we get, and uh, we're just excited to talk about Friday Night Lights. So, Absolutely. Uh, until, until then, until the next episode, have a good week, and we will see you next time. Night.